1000 KSOO. 332 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up on October 28th, that's a Saturday, big event in the city, Zombie Walk. The party is from 1 to 6 p.m. at the El Riad Shrine, 510 South Phillips, raising the dead for charity. The dead rise and walk the streets of downtown Sioux Falls. Come meet the South Dakota Ghostbusters before the parade and get your photo taken. Registration is from 2 to 5 p.m. and costs $3. Get your makeup done from 2 to 4.30 p.m. for $5. The parade starts at 5 p.m. I, You know, I could probably use some makeup. You know, I, I think I could. Uh, it is, of course, just after 3.30, and it is my favorite time of the day. It's Weird Friends. Wednesday, Scott Hudson is with us, and uh, Mr. Hudson... The, uh, the, the, you have been, you have been going on and on on the Facebooks about this, uh, this new replacements live album and, yes. uh, and, and, yes. and that's fine. Uh, it's got it. And, and so we were talking about live albums in general, and I'm just going to put it out there. I've not heard this replacements record yet. My favorite live album of all time, one for the road by the kinks go. I will agree with that. Woo-hoo. I will agree with that. Thank you, man. But uh, you know, but because it, it raises the point, when I was growing up in the 70s, live records were an important part of a band's career. Mm-hmm. You know, the Kinks one brought people like me who hadn't lived through the original run of the Kinks, got me to, to enjoy them. Um, Kiss Alive, Frampton Comes Alive, Cheap Trick of Voodoo Con, even Foghat Live. Oh, those yeah. Are the biggest, those are the biggest albums of those bands' career. I mean, the Frampton Comes Alive record was the biggest selling record of all time for a few years. Really? I didn't know that. Yes, yes. And like in the case of the Kiss and Cheap Trick, their live records saved their careers. Both bands had put out three records. They hadn't done anything. Um, they were supporting themselves by playing a million shows a year, but it looked like it wasn't going to work for either band. And, uh, you know, that record, those rec- records saved their careers. And, and the Cheap Trick one wasn't even supposed to come out. Really? They had, done, they had done well in Japan, so they put that out in Japan first. It was like a thank you to their Japanese friends. You're kidding me. I didn't yeah. know that. And it got so uh, huge. Yeah. But, the, but then something happened over the next few years, and I, I, I have some reasons why, but it's just weird to me. What was the last big live record you can remember? Oh, man, I, I can't even think of one. I know that there have been a lot of them, but I didn't buy any. Five-man acoustical jam. What was that? Five-man acoustical jam. Who's that? Tesla. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I don't have that in my repertoire. I, I would say the last big one was U2's Under a Blood Red Sky. Oh, yeah, True. that was really good. That one was the one that made them big. Um, you know, outside of that, there, there was, in the, in the 90s, there was a short time where unplugged albums were big. That's true. But that was, that was not really, I, I don't consider that like a real live record because it's not capturing a normal show by a band. No. It's, first of all, it's not nearly as long. Yeah. Usually. I mean, that, that Nirvana uh, uh, unplugged was probably the, the zenith of those. But Yeah, yeah. Um, but weirdly, there are actually more live releases than ever. I mean, Pearl Jam, I remember the late 90s, the Best Buy Rack suddenly had two rows of a million Pearl Jam live albums because they put out their entire tour at once. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I went to a Pixie show years ago, and afterwards you could stand around and buy a, a pressing of that show. You're kidding me. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, Wilco puts out highlights from their tours, you know, um, 
even Springsteen is now selling shows after after they're done. But none of those releases are for the mainstream audience. Those are for the hardcore weirdos like me. Yeah, yeah. And so I've been thinking about why that is. And I think one of the reasons is that the big, big stars of today, I'm talking about music in general. Rock and roll is not the big thing today. Right. Um, most of the big stars today are in the pop category. They, everything is so pre-programmed and it's a lot of visual effects that you wouldn't buy uh, a Taylor Swift live record, but you might buy, you know, HBO would love to have a Taylor Swift concert on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, um, say with like Timberlake and people like that. Yeah, it's absolutely. all about the show. It's not so much about the music. Um, but he, okay, but when it comes to like bands that are true bands, I don't think you have the spontaneity anymore because arena shows are all about, you know, uh, lighting, visual effects, screens behind them. You know, in the 70s, Kiss didn't play the same show every night. Right, right. Now, every moment of every show is completely choreographed. So I don't think a live record is as exciting anymore as it was back then. Yeah. You know, the other thing about, and this is true of live shows too, is I was thinking about this with regards to McCartney. He, he talked a little bit, but not that much. And, you know, from some of these guys, I want to hear, I want to hear a story. I want to hear them, you know, Paul Simon, Paul Simon talked a little bit, but even Mm -hmm. then not, not that much. And, you know, I think back to one for the road by the kinks. Um, there were, there was some little quips that he would have in there, but you're right. The, the, the McCartney show was this basically the same from coast to coast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there might be a couple spots where they do a different song every other night, or, but otherwise it's the same show every night. But I think another reason is bands put out records so rarely now. I mean, it's like in the, the Kiss and Cheap Trick, they put out their first three records in 18 months. Yeah. You know, now three records by a band, that's 10 years. Hmm. You're not the same band that first year that you are in the 10th year, whereas a live record that takes the best moments of the last two years that truly is you at that point in time. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, let's, Hey, let's talk about this replacements record. Okay. So a lot of okay. replacements fans around here and, and everybody knows that you are like the, uh, you know, Uber fan of the replacements. So you're going to like it no matter what, but yes. Yeah. But for, for the, the rest of us who either are replacements fans or, or casually know about them, what's the, what's the appeal of this record? Um, well, this show has been available in, in, to through the bootleg market for years, but it was just like a typical soundboard. wasn't professionally mixed. It was mono. Nobody even knew that Sire Records had a 32-track recording truck outside of the venue that it was recorded at. Oh, really? And so my theory, which kind of goes with all that stuff I was just saying, is you know they had just put out their fourth album, Tim. And that was the first on Warner Brothers. And I think, I think Warner Brothers wanted to do like a one for the road kind of thing where all those songs from the Twin Tone years is now on a Warner Brothers release. Ah, yes. And for whatever reason, they didn't put it out. But I'm glad they didn't because they would have never put out the entire show in mm-hmm. 1986. Mm-hmm. You know, and they would have probably made them come in and do some overdubs and clean it up. 
no, we got the the exact show, and it's really well recorded, really well mixed. You do have Bob Stinson's guitar out of one speaker and Paul's out of the other, which to me is like the perfect way to listen to a live album. Yeah, and and it it, it has songs from every you know all the records up to that time, and and a, a few covers, including Nowhere Man by the Beatles. Really, um, and it's just it's a it's a document of a band that probably at that time was at their live peak. Yeah, and their creative peak as a band, it, not not Westerberg's peak, but clearly as a band. Yes, yes. The uh, and it's just it's just you know the Rolling Stones and and the Replacements are two bands that were known that on every night they were kind of on a razor's edge. And if it leaned to one side, it was going to be a train wreck. And if it leaned to the other side, it was going to be the greatest show you ever saw. Yeah, yeah. That's re- kind of what this is. And the replacements, maybe more than anybody, <laughs> yeah, could yeah. be a huge train wreck. Exactly. Um, so what are, what are the highlights off that record for you? What's when What really stands out? Um, well, there's a version of Can't Hardly Wait that is, I mean, that didn't come out until Please to Meet Me the next year. Mm-hmm. So it's a really raw version instead of the more anthemic one that we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, Take Me Down to the Hospital, a Hootenanny song is just, you know, I think blues fans could even like that, the way, the way that they perform it. Um, I love the Nowhere Man cover. It's one of my favorite Beatles covers ever. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I played four tracks off it last Friday. I'm going to play another four tracks off it this Friday. You should uh, probably plug your show. We haven't been doing that much lately. Where yep. where can I hear you play these tracks? Uh, Friday night, 6 p.m., our time, realpunkradio.com, Live Ledge. I did a new release show last Friday. I do the first Friday of every month. Nothing but new releases. I had so much piled up, that, uh, and I want to play more replacement songs. I, I'm going to do a, more new releases this week. Yeah, well, of course, you're eventually you're going to play the entire record, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> and I can I can go back and listen to old shows uh, on your podcast, yeah, correct? Just look for the ledge on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. You can even tell your Alexa machine to play it. <laughs> How is your? Don't you have one? Yeah, I do. I love it. Yeah, it's like integrated into your life now. Well, I'm not. I don't do the. You know, like you know, Alexa. What is blah blah blah? I don't. I don't use it like people use Siri. Yeah. I use it to, like, Alexa, play the Tony Kornheiser show. Ah, no, that's good. You know, that kind of... There's or if a, I'm reading a magazine and I read a review of an album I've never heard, Yeah, I'll say, you know, Alexa, play whatever. Oh, cool. But it is neat, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of amazing when you think about it. Yes. Oh, and by the way, Tony Kornheiser is now playing. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to be careful, man. Well, yes. could be worse things in the background of the uh, Weird Friends segment with Mr. Scott Hudson. Uh, Scott, thanks for being here today. I appreciate the time. Thank you. I enjoy doing it. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Kelsey Passolt from KDLT and uh, get an update on her big fundraiser for breast cancer awareness. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO.